0: Podcast number 209, Perilous Power. This is the beginning of our fifth year. Can you dig it? I mean, the beginning of our fifth year. It's like, wow. That just amazes me. How did that happen? Well, you got older. Oh, shut up. (laughs) so what's the purpose of self-remembering i got this in an email just the other day there was a guy in italy he's like having trouble with self-remembering and self-observation and there were other people too who said they're having trouble with this whole self-observation self- remembering thing they kind of blend together they fall apart like what is this so i thought i'd talk about it a little bit because i think it's important why should we wish to remember ourselves really. When you start to ask yourself, what is the purpose of self-remembering? You've got to ask yourself, well, to find the purpose of something, you want to find out, well, why should you want it? Let's say somebody comes along who's never seen a lawnmower before and they see a lawnmower and they go, what is the purpose of this? It really is saying, why should I want this? Right? What is this for? What does this do? How can it help me? How can it benefit me? Isn't that really what we're asking? Well, this lawnmower, it cuts grass. Well, I don't have any grass. Well, then I guess you don't need it. Well, I don't want to cut my grass. Well, then you don't need it. Well, my grass is too long. Okay, well, then maybe you need something that cuts longer grass. And then when you get your longer grass cut and you want to keep it trimmed, you just use this lawnmower. Oh, okay. Well, you see, it starts to take shape then. I've talked before about the difficulties of self remembering. For example, which self do you remember? We look at ourselves, and there's like thousands of eyes. Of course, we don't see thousands of eyes in the beginning. In the beginning, we first start to look, and all we see is like one eye. And then the work tells us, okay, well, this is what you're supposed to look for. We go, okay, okay. So that's an eye, huh? Well, gee, I thought that was me just being in a mood. Well, I thought that was me just being angry. That's an eye, huh? That's what, yes, that's what the work says is an eye. Okay, well, that's an eye. Well, what is an eye? Well, it's like a little person living inside of you. Oh no, 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 no little people living inside of me. Well, yes, actually, each of those eyes has their own identity and their own will and their own feelings and their own everything, their own thoughts. And they really are just like little people. Well, that sounds like demon possession. Yes. Well, refer to that podcast that was on possession and we won't have to rehash that now. You can deal with it however you'd like to deal with it. I'm not your babysitter. I'm here to tell you how it is according to what I understand the work is saying. And also, according to what I understand. So, which self, how am I supposed to remember myself? What is it that we're really seeking? This is the real question. What is it you are really seeking? So when I say to you, remember yourself, you say, why? And I say to you, well, what is it you really want? What is it you're really seeking? No one can remember himself who does not wish to get above himself. You have got to become dissatisfied with yourself. If you don't become dissatisfied with yourself, you have no reason to remember yourself. That's like having a lawnmower and no lawn. Well, who cares? You know, it's just a piece of junk in the way. And that's what self-remembering is. If you don't wish to get above yourself, if you are happy with yourself, if you like yourself and you are still able to blame everybody else in the world for your problems, then live in that bliss or hell, whatever it is for you. Then live in that until it finally corrodes enough of your happiness, your temporary happiness, to get to the point when you finally say, you know, maybe I could be the problem here. I mean, what if it is me? Oh, perish the thought. And that's what most people do. They perish the thought. But the truth is that it is you, and it takes a long, long time to put legs under that little roly-poly bowling ball. Well, it's you, yeah, and it rolls down the alley so nicely, doesn't it? Rolls down the alley toward the pins, oh, so nicely. But you have no control over it when it's rolling down the aisle. Once you've let go of it, you have no control of it. But you put some legs on it, and you can direct it where you want it to go. So then it starts to be more meaningful and more important, and that's where consciousness comes in. So nobody can remember himself who doesn't want to get above himself. Well, what does that mean? Above the noise in his head, above the vortex of negative emotions that are sucking him downward. When you start to realize that these negative emotions are just pulling you down and you want to get out of it, when you stop justifying your negative emotions like, oh, well, I'm the only one who knows the truth. Oh, well, I'm the only one who really sees what's going on. Oh, well, I'm the only one. I I, I am the greatest. I know everything. All these other people are deceived. I'm the only one who sees it. When you get to the point where you can say, why am I so negative? Why am I so angry? Why am I so unhappy? Why am I so suspicious? Why am I so hateful? Why do I not forgive? Why am I so irritated with people? Why do I snap at people who I don't need to snap? Why do I treat people so badly? When you start to see that about yourself, and it takes tremendous courage and light to see that about yourself, it's so much easier to stuff it in the darkness. It's so much easier to blame others. This path is not for sissies. This path is not for cowards. This path is not for people who are weak of heart. This path is for courageous people who are willing to face a monster, who are willing to face a Goliath. Because that's what false personality is. It is not child's play, and it is not something to toy with. It will crush you if you don't know how to deal with it. This work is very, very dangerous if it's not properly done. That was a little bit of a rant, wasn't it? Okay, sorry about that. Self-remembering is what a man does when he wishes to make himself passive so that he may receive something higher rather than his ordinary life. Another way of saying his ordinary life is something lower because we live in a very low place. And if you ever want to reach anything higher, you're going to have to make yourself passive. What is yourself? False personality, as the work calls it. That is the self that you're identified with. That's who you think you are, the imaginary I. What you call I is not really you. That is not you. So the work tells you observe. Observe that and when you see it separate from it by saying that is not I so self-remembering is about what happens when you start to wish to rise above that false personality that imaginary eye that vortex of negativity that hateful thing that must always have its way that hateful thing that throws tantrums that hateful thing that tries to press everybody else to make them do what it wants so that it doesn't have to do anything Make no mistake, it will lie about it. But make no mistake, if you look at it, you will see that that's it. Self-justification does not support self-remembering. If you justify yourself, you will not remember yourself. If you are right, you will not remember yourself. You cannot remember yourself and be right. Those two things will not fit in the same space any more than being negative and loving will fit in the same space. It doesn't happen. You can't do this work and, you. well, that's not exactly true. I was gonna say you can't do this work and be negative. But the truth is, is you can't do this work without being negative. But you have to face your negativity. You can't keep denying it and blaming other people for it and stuffing it down. You have to understand that you are negative and it's your fault. And until you do that, you're not gonna start working. You're just gonna play around the edge of the pool. And you may get splashed every once in a while by the people who are in the pool, but you're not yourself in the pool. And if that that offends you, well, look to your own self. By lower, I mean things created by life, which you will find all taste like they came from the same pot. Once you start to get a taste for this work, you start to see that there are some things in you that come out of one pot and some things that come out of another pot that you don't know about. Some things that are too salty. It's like a pot that's been over-salted. Well, you know the little cook's trick. If you put too much salt into some soup, you throw raw potatoes in and that draws the salt out and you can save the soup. And there's tricks obviously in the work about this too. So we are salted by life and we're oversalted. In other words, life has got us. And what happens when you put too much salt on something? It kills it. If you put too much salt on a plant, it will kill it. In Bible times they used to go and salt an enemy's field. They'd go and sow his field with salt, and that ruined it so that things wouldn't grow in it. What is the dead sea? What is the salton sea? What grows there? There you go. What kind of fish are in there? Salty fish. (laughs) So it's like, so that's it. But, you know, then how do you deal with the thing? You are the salt of the earth. Well, he's not talking about you, the false personality. He's talking about you, the real I. The real you is the salt of the earth. And that's what has to salt this earth so that it brings out the flavor so that life becomes what it's really supposed to be. Because when real I is allowed to manifest in you, life becomes real. And when life becomes real, it is beautiful. It really is. I promise you that. When you are real, then life becomes real. And then life is beautiful. Well, does that mean there's no more horror in the world? No, there's horror, but it's beautiful because you understand something that you can't understand now. Right now, you can't understand how this horrible thing that just happened over here is a good thing. But when you're real, when you reach real eye, you will understand. And then you can pretend between now and then. You can pretend that you understand. That's always fun to do. People love that. But you don't have to. You can just say, well, I'm not there yet. And you can let that be. You can stop pretending to be someone you're not. Of course, that will irritate. It will annoy the socks off of imaginary eye. Imaginary eye would just hate you for that. It's like so. Hates everything anyway. What does that mean? It loves this and it loves that. Yeah, wait till it doesn't get its way with this or that and see how much it loves it. What I'm trying to say is life taints everything with a certain metallic flavor of the hypnotic machinery, which keeps us asleep in this dream of what we are. See, we're dreaming that we are this thing, what others are. We're dreaming about what other people are. We look at other people, we don't see who they are. We don't see what's there. We only see what we're dreaming. It's us we're seeing. We're only seeing the back of our own eyelids and we don't know that. We're only seeing through our own filters, our own stuff. We don't see that. We can't accept that because we don't know ourselves. And so this work is about helping us to know ourselves. And finally, we don't really see what life is. We look at life and we see it as this fairy tale that never really quite delivers, or we see it as this horrible thing that just pulls us down. But it's neither. It's just life. That's all it is. It's just life. No more, no less. No big deal. What happens is what happens. That's what happened. You're the only one who can label it, value it, and call it good or bad. Impressions are flat. They are just what they are. It's what you do with them that determines what kind of a life you have. And what you do with them will be dependent upon your being, and your consciousness. Your level of being and your level of consciousness will determine how you process impressions and what you get from them. And if you can process them in a way by raising your level of being and your level of consciousness, if you can process impressions in a way to turn them into higher fuel, you will build a higher body and you'll be able to establish crystallized consciousness in a higher place. So there. And if you didn't understand that, that's okay. You don't have to. You're not ready to do that yet. What you're ready to do now is start to face negative emotions and start to deal with them and start to use the fire that comes from dealing with them, the friction that comes from dealing with them to crystallize something real inside of you, something more real inside of you, psychologically, inside. So even knowing we're asleep, feeling it a little bit doesn't really free us. How many times have you known you were asleep? You just woke up for a little bit and you went, oh man, I was so asleep. And I think I'm still asleep. I think I'm just a little more awake. And you can actually feel it, but it doesn't really free us. Well, it frees us a little, but it doesn't free us forever we're trapped again and again by everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything. People, words, slightest thing somebody says. For instance, Curtis was trying to talk to me while I was doing something over here and I snapped at him and he kind of went away with his tail between his legs, went over there and sat down and said, okay. You know, I looked and I said, oh God, I'm sorry. I just thought, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I'm agitated that this isn't working. We're trying to get this done. It agitated me. I got negative and I was short and that's not what I wanted to do. But fortunately he was real enough to just be able to go, you know, and it showed. And so I, I could see and i said well come over here and help me and you know and like that and just you know like that so it's that's what we have to do you have to be there you have to be you have to externally consider these people you have to see what he just went through you have to see what he saw in me so did i mean to hurt him no but i have to see what he saw it's not enough to see what i saw i see what i saw and then and, and here's how that goes what do you what's the matter with you i didn't mean that come on knock it off we got work to do grow up Well, that's really going to help. You know, wow, that's what I wanted you to hear. Yeah, thanks. That's great. But that's not it. But if I put myself over there and I say, oh, man, here he's just trying to help. And I'm all distracted and agitated and I snap and I'm short. That just hurts him. All he wants to do is help. He's like a little open anemone right now. Drop something in there and it just closes up. So it's like, well, now you got to get it to open up again. You have to understand what you just did. But I didn't mean to do that. It doesn't matter. Stop defending yourself. Stop identifying with that. Just back off and say, yeah, well, that's what happened. Okay, that's what happened. I can fix that. Did I fix it? Yeah. Okay. You can say it loudly so that everybody could hear it. Yes. yes okay, that's good. You sound like a plant. <laughs> okay, yeah, like a philodendron. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> should we be having this much fun? I'm pretty sure this is bad. Yeah, we should not be having this much fun. I'm pretty sure this is a bad thing. So we're trapped again and again by everything, every thought, every feeling, every association, memory, event. And it's like, ah, we get pulled back down, pulled back down into sleep. All these things that compel us, anxious thoughts, professional goals, business excitements. You know, oh, I got that deal. I got that business. Oh, we got got that. We bid that contract. We got it. We're going to make this much money. You know, all of those excitements, all those successes, all those great things. You know, oh, I got a promotion. Oh, they like me at work. I'm hitting on Curtis now. <laughs> His things, he really likes that. Or Rex, oh, the bees are doing so great this year. Oh, the bees are doing great. Look at that. Man, I can't even lift the boxes of honey. They're so heavy. Ah, Right? It's exciting. You know, all these things pull us back in. Our pride, our vanity, you know, oh, look what I'm doing. Oh, look what I've done. Oh, look, people like me. Oh, look, I'm useful. Oh, look, oh, look, oh, look. Our conceit, our lust for power, all belong to the machinery of life. And they all work on us to pull us back into life not to help us out, not to lift us higher, not to propel us higher. They are all about keeping us in the machine. It's only when a man begins to see life offers no real solution that he wishes to remember himself. He wishes to free himself from life's grip on him, from the hideous things it makes him do. Does life make you do hideous things? (laughs) Yes. And if you can see that, that's why you're here. Self-remembering is like a longing for something higher. That's exactly how it starts. It starts just as longing for something higher. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be something better than this. What most people do is change groups, change churches, change philosophies, change books, change their chair, change their relationship, divorce this person and marry that person, dump this person and hook up with that person. That's what most people do. But you're not most people. So you don't get to do that. You've got to stand and deliver. You've got to take a stand and you've got to deliver right there. You have got to see that what needs to change is you, not the situation. So what happens is you start to long for something higher, something more real. Quite frankly, something eternal, something will not change every five seconds like us. It's a longing to be free from this entrapment. It's like getting your foot out of the bear trap. I want my foot out of the bear trap. I don't like it anymore. This dance isn't fun. I've been going around in circles now for 30 years. You know, This life is like nailing your foot to the floor and then running around in circles. And after a while, you just get tired of that. When you do, then you wish to remember yourself. You may not call it that, but that's what it is. It starts as wishing when we find ourselves trapped, unable to do. It's a space between worlds, really. We've got it pretty much that this world is like, okay, it's got a lot of great stuff, but it's starting to taste all the same. It's all coming out of the same pot. It all tastes kind of the same. And it always leads to the same thing again and again and again. You know, why is it I'm here again? Why is it I'm here again? Well... That's when you start to long for something else. You start to wish for something else because you've gotten out of that a little bit, just a little bit. You've created this little bit of space and you've got this longing. And what that is, is one force pulling us upward while the other force is pulling us downward. And so if you feel like you're being drawn and quartered, you must be working. This is all I can say. If you feel like you're being drawn and quartered, you must be working. If you feel like you're being strung out, if you feel like you're being kind of like torn apart, good for you. That's great. You're working. The work is working. That's what it's about. Oh, well, I quit. Yeah, and that's what most people do. But that's okay. Let them. What are you going to do? Yes, this work is not for everyone. This work will never be popular. Why? Because it faces something that nothing else in this world is facing. And I'll tell you what that is in a little while. You just have to stay tuned. The work says we're born in essence and quickly pass under the influences of life as our center of gravity moves, shifts into personality. Essence wants what's real, but what does false personality want? In a word, to be God. That's what false personality wants. False personality wants to be God, to be worshipped, to be flattered, to be obeyed. And let me just say this one last thing. To be in control of what? Everything. Breathe in, breathe out. That leaf of grass can grow, that leaf of grass cannot. Whatever. Of course, it's not that detailed because it's only about what we care about, only what we're identified with, and nothing else matters. Everything else can go to hell for all we care. All that matters is what matters to us. Who cares about them? They can do what they got to do. That's their business. The reason the real work can never be popular is because it knows that this part of us, this part that always wants to be in control, this part that craves power, this part that wants to be God, this part that wants to be worshipped, to be flattered, to be obeyed, that part must die What does that mean? It means that it must become passive. It must somehow be made passive. When we're not self-remembering, we are that part. And when we are that part, we wish to survive, not die. That's the problem. That's the pull. All right, now I'm going to read to you on my Kindle that you guys gave me last birthday, wasn't it? Or birthday before last? Yeah, thanks. Still using it. Still great. Still love it. You guys are still the best. It was probably the best thing you ever gave me last year. Oh, wait, it was the only thing you gave me last year. Okay. You didn't give me anything this year, did you? What's the matter with you people? <laughs> I give to you all year long. One day comes along. One day a year, you get a chance to give. Them. What do you do? You drop the ball. Okay, that's true. I, didn't ref- I, I told you, don't give me anything. Give <laughs> to you for the first time? Yeah, you listen to me for the first time. <laughs> That's funny, Kurt. It was hard. It was hard, wasn't it? it was It was, hard. was really hard not giving me a gift. I bet <laughs> Yeah, yeah. hug. <laughs> Well, you know, the bottom line on that is I don't want you giving mechanically. If it's not conscious, then I don't want to be a part of it. I want to practice karma yoga. You know, I don't want to add anything else. I just want to keep it balanced as much as I can. And this is the way for the balanced man. This, the fourth way is the way for the balanced man. I mean, this is what this is about. I'm trying to do that. Now, see, that's the thing. Oh, what? here's what people do. They, they, get, they, they find this podcast and they go, whoa, here's this guy that's actually trying to do it. He's not just talking about it. He's actually trying to do it. I could get behind that. So, yeah, maybe that's the draw. I don't know. What do I know? All right, so anyway, let me read to you from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city, and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things will I give you, if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Begone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So I'm going to talk about this a little bit. And and I apologize right up front. Let me apologize to the people who have a problem with the Bible. But this is something that Maurice Nicole was very fond of, and I am very fond of Maurice Nicole. And I'm also very fond of esoteric writings, and I don't really care where they come from. If it's the Bible, if it's the Quran, if it happens to be the back of a Campbell soup can, I don't care. To me, the truth is more important than the form. If you have not reached that point yet, then just put it aside and let me finish this, and you know, maybe you'll see something that you can use that will be valuable to you what tempts you or what could tempt you? Most people will say money and sex. So most people will say what tempts them is money so they can get what they want or sex and money so they can get what they want or sex. I don't see how those two things are separate for a lot of people, but obviously some people do have a buffer between the two. They don't see what they're doing, but that's them. I don't happen to have that buffer because I don't need it. I don't care about money or sex. Perhaps you imagine you don't want power. A lot of people imagine they don't want power. Some people right up front. If Steve were here, he would say power. That's what he would say because he's observed what he wants and he wants power. Yet you become jealous. Well, why do you become jealous? Be sincere. Why do you become jealous? Because you're not really going to be able to figure that out as quickly as I can talk. Let me tell you, we wish full power. That's why we become jealous because we wish full power. I want absolute control over your life because without absolute control, I'm going to be jealous. You get it? If you wish a higher level of being and consciousness, there are layers of self-revelation peeled by self-observation. These are the layers that have to be peeled and they are unpleasant. It's like being skinned alive sometimes because the more attached you are to your skin, the more it hurts to have it pulled off. But if you've got a big, bad sunburn and your skin layer, your skin starts to peel, it actually doesn't hurt at all to have it pulled off. It actually just kind of feels kind of good, a little itchy, you know, you're all itchy and it's good to get it off. You know what I mean? Just like a snake shedding its skin. So why does a snake shed its skin? You know, it rubs up against things to get that off so that it can expand, so that it can grow. Same thing with us, people. The microcosm and the macrocosm, it's all there. It's all the same. You can see this in anything and everything once you learn how to look. Slowly we realize what we want we cannot have. This is the most painful thing in the world to deal with. What you want, you can't have. Well, why not? If I could just make them do this, if I just had the power. No, you don't have the power and you can't. And people just don't like that. So there goes, no, probably 20 million people just were swept right off the fourth way path. (laughs) Just like that. No, they're not, they're not, they're not going to do that. No, forget it. Okay. I made up 20 million. I'm just talking here. The bottom line is we want the power to have our cake and eat it too. We want to be able to eat the cake and still have it be there. We want to be able to control somebody else but have them be themselves. We want to be able to eat the cow and then have her give milk. It just doesn't work like that. But that's what we want, to be free while we control everything and everyone else. That's what we want. I want to be free to control everything and everyone else according to what I think is right. For the people who don't think they want power, take a look at it. False personality is difficult to overcome. In fact, some people feel it's impossible. In fact, the work says, alone, it may very well be impossible. Jesus talked about entering the kingdom of heaven. He said, it was easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. A rich man does not mean somebody who's got big bucks. A rich man is somebody who has a lot of power, has a lot of requirements, has a lot of desires, has a lot of lust, has a lot of wants. That's a rich man. He's full of himself, all these things for himself. So he's very full and rich in that way that person he's not going to get into an expanded state of consciousness the kingdom of heaven very easily he's not going to get into a higher level of being a higher state very easily it's going to be very very difficult and as that camel passes through the eye of a needle you can bet that a lot of camel hair is going to be on that side of the needle and there's going to be a lot of yelling too from that camel and if you've never heard a camel yell let me tell you they can really yell Well, I went on that camel safari thing in Egypt. I was on that camel, and it turned around. I was okay, they can really let you know what they think. Just imagine what it would be like trying to stuff one through the eye of a needle, even a big eye of a needle. And that's how it is for us. False personality is not going to fit through. It's not going to make it through the gate. It's going to have to be trimmed way, way, way down in order for our consciousness to expand, in order for our being to have some room. I think I said that last week about the big false personality in the little room. You shrink the false personality, the room automatically becomes bigger. The room is like your being. The false personality is like who you think you are. So false personality, like I said, is tough. Rightly so, really, if people think that it's impossible because the false personality makes anything real impossible because the false personality is not real. It's not eternal. It is acquired. It's temporary. It cannot last. It cannot last. So since it's not real... It doesn't want anything real anywhere near it because it'll show it up for what it is. And that's why the false personality hates the work so much. And it won't let people get on the path. The work says personality must become passive for essence to grow. But this teaching has always existed. This isn't something that originated with Gurdjieff or Spensky or Nicole or anybody else like that. This has been going on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It doesn't belong to the work, nor did it originate in the fourth way. The real fourth way would not say it did and would not claim it, would not have anything to do with that. The truth is much bigger than the fourth way. The truth is much bigger than religion. The truth is much bigger than the Bible. The truth is much bigger than the Quran. The truth is much bigger than all that stuff. All of those things are transmitters or conduits for the truth. But they are not the truth. They are conduits for the truth. They are the messengers of the truth. But they are not the truth itself. What do you think of yourself after self-observation? Have you seen this thing called the tempter? This thing called Satan? This thing called the devil? Have you seen that? Literally, Satan means adversary. If you think the false personality isn't plotting against your work, eyes, you got another thing coming. It is. What has it to do with your vanity? What is vanity? Vain really means empty. That's what vain means. Empty. What is your vanity? Well, quite frankly, it's your emptiness. And your emptiness is what this work is trying to fill. But right now, you don't know that your emptiness is empty. All you feel is this hole in your heart. You don't really know why it is or how to fix it. But I do know why it is, and I do know how to fix it. So you're in luck. So this vanity of yours craves power. What does it crave power over? Over your spouse, over your job, over all of your relationships, over everything in the world. What does one power over? One's power over The political environment of the world wants to pick the president, doesn't it? And once the president's in it, wants to make him say whatever it wants him to say. Make him pass whatever bills they want him to pass. What about anything else? Well, wants that country over there to stop doing that. So it wants an army to go do that. It wants control of everything, doesn't it? And if you think it doesn't, just observe yourself. Maurice Nicole said, so the esoteric symbolic figure of yourself called Christ, relating now back to this thing about being tempted, has first to die to what? What is it that it has to die to? This is exactly what we have to understand. And until we understand what this real eye in you, because this Christ represents your real eye. You take that story any way you want. You can take it as a fairy tale. I don't care. It does not matter to me. I'm not selling anything here. You know, this is free. I'm not selling anything. The truth is free, but you have to pay for it in order to make it yours. But it's free. I don't get how that works, but we have to give something up in order to have it. And what is that something we have to give up? That's the question. What first has to die, and you must seriously understand that. And the only way to really understand that is to see it for yourself in yourself. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application, In your everyday life, I invite you to write James at solidrockvista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.